Hi, I'm Angela Lovell, best-selling author and psychic witch. And today we're going to talk about practicing non-attachment while having metaphysical attachments. Same word, pretty different things. Welcome to Dear Richie Poo. Dear family, I know many of you secretly listen to my podcasts, as do age-inappropriate children in our family. Please stop coming here to look for my faults or an effort to solve the mystery of our continued disconnect. Consider this episode my resignation from the herd. I will no longer be your teacher, and you will no longer be mine. I mourn this loss, but I offered to see a therapist or even just talk it out, yet you prefer to stick to your keyboards. I am sorry our paths no longer align and wish you the best. Please change the settings on your kids' devices and try to honor my memory with integrity. Here's hoping we do better in the next life. Love always, Angela. I thought a lot recently about the sort of suicide letter I'd leave. Because it felt that it should consist mostly of things I can never say to their faces, I was stumped. I have said everything to their faces again and again, too much so. I drove across the country at the start of the pandemic to be with my mother before her cancer surgery and got stuck in Florida only to be labeled a narcissist by my family. I'm okay with this, though. I've been practicing non-attachment. It's going well. And I don't take it personally. I am the only one who actively rejects our history of mental illness, incest, pedophilia, and so much more, and seeks help. I just think being a seeker, we're always just seeking help, right? Seeks help and moving as far away from all of that as possible. I am the only one who sought therapy and reconfigured how I nourish my body and soul. This doesn't make me better than anybody. It just, it just means that I have a bit of an advantage, and maybe it's an unfair advantage. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's fair. Is nothing. Nothing's real. <laughs> That's where I am now. That's how we practice non-attachment. Nothing is real. Um, I do believe I am not the only one in my family who speaks their mind or screams the house down. I have a fabulous Leo aunt who does this as well. But she and I are the only two people in the family who can fight out an issue, express our inner turmoil openly, and laugh again moments later. She's a master 33, and I'm a master 11, also known as a master of lovin'. So I feel like we have an advantage with all the extra lifetimes. But also because we're fire signs. I do feel and have always felt an advantage over my family. This has been misread as I think I matter more or I am better than them. I have an advantage because I'm an older soul who has always been practicing non-attachment to people, places, and things my whole life. Sometimes non-attachment has made me feel like a quitter. I stayed in my last loveless relationship too long, but when I finally left and saw things clearly, it validated my practice of non-attachment. And that practice is being validated again right now. October 2021's Mercury retrograde will go down in history. This is the worst one of my lifetime. And I tremble to say that because you know how lessons work. But I can honestly say I have never been butt-fucked harder by any planetary movement than the current one. 
When I say everything is going haywire, it is no exaggeration. My advanced psychic development mediumship course, I don't, I'm trying to say it like Alistair Crowley, was already supposed to launch. There's still a pre-sale discount because, surprise, it didn't. Please buy it. Since retrograde, we're going to have, it's going to be fun. We're doing lots of stuff together, actually. It's a lot of live stuff in addition to the course. Only if you buy it now. Later, those are just recorded for you. Um, all the whole month of October. Since retrograde, all the things around me are clogged. My washing machine, Roomba. I don't even tell you how badly a person needs a Roomba when they have five pets. My garbage disposal, the dishwasher drain, and now my iPhone. The entire right side of my screen went dead unless I'm conducting Apple updates, not to go conspiracy theorist on you, but yeah, the screen works just fine when I'm downloading Apple's shit. My credit took a really weird hit just before I need approval to move into my new LA apartment, which also might be falling apart for different reasons, except I will not stop willing it back together. And finally, nearly my entire family blocked me on Facebook. I'm, but I'm also like, if somebody were to tell me that, I'd be like, what did you do right? You know, every single person I know who's the black sheep of their family, they're like me. They are, they're other healers. They're other psychics. God. I mean, I don't know. They all blocked me on Facebook. And they, they did it to hurt me. Like, it wasn't a... I'm a problem or I was posting anything. I wasn't even, I'm not even active on Facebook. There's no fucking reason to block me on, for anybody to block me on Facebook unless they're, you know, I'm a devil worshiper. I'm, I'm sure that's happened a few times. I don't know, actually. I think people are usually pretty cool. Anyway, <laughs> I haven't slept. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. Um, yeah, but I am, I am without family now. But... I have survived multiple rapes, assaults, heartaches, and straight-up terror. I have recently been, quite literally, to hell and back. Sarah Goff, one of my most favorite people in the world, amazing shamanic healer, who died and came back to life and has been on many episodes of the podcast, well, my other podcasts, invited me to her home for a practice run of her shamanic healer's retreat. This is probably not something she'll do in that capacity again because it was a shit ton of work, but I'm beyond grateful to have been included in her test round. I recorded an episode with Sarah about this, but I'm going to touch on a lot of what I experienced during that time in here. So when that episode airs, there might be some, maybe some repeats. Sarah asked me, do you ever listen to your episodes of your grandma? I said, fuck no, why would I do that? She's like, well, you should listen because you end up all over the place. And I was like, yeah, listening to my episodes isn't good. <laughs> I'm never going to not tell a dozen side stories. Okay, so for starters, I talk a lot. Sarah was shushing the hell out of me through the whole weekend. This is a comment on every report card throughout my childhood. I get too excited about being around people. And it's not a look at me, listen to me thing. When I was in musical theater class, everybody performed class, school, BFA program. Everyone even people who I wasn't close with would choose me in the audience to perform to because I sit smiling and encouraging. I go full stage mom. I don't even, I don't even need to have love in my heart. I don't need to know somebody to do that. That is just, I'm going to talk about that in a second. 
that's an exchange of energy for me. And also, you know what? I want everybody to do well and thrive. So there's that. And pff, there aren't a lot of people who can say that. Oh, God, I'm getting so superior. I'm exhausted right now, you guys. I, these words are probably going to be, sometimes you're going to be like, did she just say that? And yeah, I'm just very tired. So <laughs> on the retreat, I kept having visions. God, my boobs hurt today, too. The fuck? I kept having, oh, <laughs> You know, just go with it. Just go with these. Just go go with the flow. That's all. That's the biggest download I keep getting. I kept having visions of power animals and the like that belonged to the people around me during Sarah's retreat. But Sarah was getting pissed. She's good at focus. I'm, I don't (laughs) focus. I do have focus plenty of time. I need silence. I have a very tricky brain. Um, Overly stimulated, ADHD. Um, which is, I don't say that like, it just is. And lots of people have that. We all have a thing. That's just one of my things. Um, but the noise I make, it's really not about me. I know it's still a lot of noise and that I'm sensitive to noise. Other people are too. I am always working. I'm always open to feedback, but other souls activate something in me and I just shine more brightly. This has a lot to do with having a Leo moon, but it is more than that. Two of my long-term partners used to get really upset when I'd outshine them. When I was funnier or a better storyteller or even just singing in public. My best friend from sixth grade, um, I had a lot of different best friends in every grade because Sagittarius. But I stayed close with all of them. My best friend from sixth grade. She and her husband came over one night recently. I played my ukulele and sang for them. And it was the best I've ever sounded on it. I've never sung it and played for somebody. Not my ukulele. I could feel my soul connecting to theirs as I sang and their souls sending light back to me. It's the same feeling I got performing as a kid and why I first wanted to be a musical theater performer, something I had absolutely no support system for. I was in a lot of shows, but my family rarely ever came to see me, even as leads in shows. I have some friends who became famous actors. Even the ones who didn't have financial support had a family who worshipped them. I've always envied that family support more than their success. Performing invigorates my soul, and it often breaks my heart that I didn't go all the way with it. I have seen the auras of Ani DeFranco and Cheetah Rivera get brighter as they perform on stage. Ani also has a Leo moon, but I'd forgotten that feeling during COVID. Oh, you know what? Cheetah Rivera definitely has a shit ton of... She practiced, Look at her fucking beautiful cat eyes. Definitely a lot of Leo. Okay, so then I, I'd forgotten that feeling during COVID. Then I went to LA and saw my best friends, my absolute sisters, and we were all loud, interrupting each other, laughing, talking tremendous shit, and being totally genuine and in love. And I felt it again. My light reaching, mingling, coming back to me stronger. This is what happens if you're an extrovert. Um, I do recharge on my own, too. I need I need it all. Give it all. I want it all. Um, but I realized this light going out, you know, Reiki is like they, they take your energy. They heal it. They transform it. They give it back. My light going out, mingling with the lights of others, coming back to me stronger, that is not an experience I have with my family, not ever. I believe they withhold their lights from me, like affection. I believe it's just as easy. It's very similar. They don't care to see me shine. 
Maybe they don't want to be outshined. I don't know. And it's dangerous to make up narratives. They won't tell me why they dislike me. I can't, I can't make up a story. Even though they won't give me one, I have to, I have to avoid making up my own story about it. And it has to be okay because I was never coddled or even received basic nurturing once I started becoming a woman. I have always been free of people. I could move anywhere and love anyone. But after COVID and mom getting cancer, I really wanted to assimilate with these people once and for all with my family. It just didn't take. I spent the last few months in a very dark place asking all, I mean, the darkest of my life. And that doesn't make me special. I know you're probably sitting there saying, yeah, me too. I asked my family over and over to hang out with me. Instead, they got together secretly without me. When I discovered this, I was really hurt. And via Facebook Messenger, I told them to go fuck themselves. This is my favorite phrase, and if I had a nickel for every time I told someone to go fuck themselves, well, I could pay my therapist in cash. I like things like go fuck yourself because it's not personal. I didn't even say you're an asshole, which is more attacking for sure, but also not attaching real adjectives to someone. You're an asshole and go fuck yourself are pretty universal ways of saying you hurt me before you're able to calm down and explain your pain. They're like placeholders. You know, it's like a placeholder until you can get yourself together and figure out how to express your pain. Now, if I'd gotten personal, as I have in the past, and attacked their character or choices, it'd be a different story. When I fight with someone, I keep the focus on myself, on my pain. And I, I say things like, I feel, I feel, not you did this. But it's rare to... <laughs> Because I have seen two marriage therapists as well. Well, two different husbands. I've learned a lot. I have a lot of tools in this toolbox. But it's really rare to find someone who can hear and process that without becoming defensive. And that's why Stragzy is no more. It's really as simple as that. That business I started that I paused. This is where the magic happens for all the things. Paused, conjure the cocktail, paused so many things. I lost thousands of dollars to a website that never even worked after years of Sarah Goff telling me to stop partnering with people unless romantically. The whole point of the website was you'd be able to book psychics, but the booking never even worked. I still had to pay for Acuity every month to handle my own clients' bookings. Stragzy was a shit show and the breakup emails are bonkers. No conversation, no mediation, no therapy. All things I requested. Not even a chat on the phone. There's a lot more. Become a patron and you'll even hear me cry. A lot. Actually, please, please consider supporting this podcast. Even the $3 level because I am currently fucked. We were supposed to be making money on this venture by now. I started 2021 with enough in the bank for a down payment on a house. My savings are gone. I am basically an orphan. And I never even bought a fucking car. I was waiting for my business to be a huge success so I wouldn't have to buy a clunker. And now I am broke. But all of this reminds me of those extremely pricey Beverly Hills laser facials that I'll never be able to afford again. <laughs> Burn an entire layer of skin off. 
You look and feel like an extra from The Walking Dead. But after you heal, your skin is glowing. You have more life, vitality. You look good. You look so good, your friends accuse you of eating babies. A liberal who eats babies. Where have I heard that? Because your skin... (laughs) I'm not a liberal anymore. I don't know how I identify on any spectrum. Because your skin fought to survive the fucked up thing you put it through. It... It's stronger. Every time we fight and don't crumble, we level up. I'm really trying to stay on topic here. I'm very sorry. This is why I honor my soul contract of self-respect. I have to. This soul contract fucks me up constantly, but it's what I'm here for. I believe I chose this family to teach me, and I believe and sincerely hope our lessons together are over. I can't keep trying with people who fail at the most basic level of communication by just refusing to do it. Communication is the foundation of every relationship. If you don't have it, you do not have a relationship. Sarah Goff and I were talking one morning in her living room and she saw my other soul contract. This is the first time I've heard about this one. She said, I will not settle for a partner who basically doesn't worship me. And this made me so sad. Because that's how I keep ending up with people who are not great at caring for themselves. They put it all on me. I started telling myself years ago, obsession is not love. I wanted to be with someone not obsessed with me. I thought that would change the fucked up dudes I kept attracting, but it did not. And Sarah saw it. She said... It is love. Obsession can be love with the right person, and there's no way around it. My ideal partner will be very, very in love with me. Like, I'll be his number one. And man, I was so happy to hear it because I have been looking my whole life for someone who will make me feel important and cherished. Abandonment is my worst trigger. I can't casually love. I just can't. I don't know how people can can just fucking breeze in and out like that. And I'll love, as soon as I'm there, I'm fucking stuck. You know, my last marriage, five years with someone who could barely have sex with me, who could barely touch me. But I, I kept believing I could help him. He was my broken bird, you know? And he was obsessed with me that whole time, which is so much, so much. I looked my whole life for a partner I could build my own family with. Abandonment is my worst trigger. I mean, I talk about why in my Patreon. I have craved and I feel that I have to create my own family who doesn't talk behind each other's backs, who says these things out loud, who expresses themselves with integrity, even if they're yelling it. I've had a lot of love, but it's never hit the mark. But it will, because I just cleared my motherfucking mother wound. This might have already been mentioned in my episode with Kat, so I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself, but a lot of my psychic killer friends keep seeing my mother wound. And it's always been a killer for me. Recently, when the shit hit the fan and everyone in my family dumped me without even talking to me, not even on the phone, my mom suggested she and I go to therapy. The moment she said this, I knew everything would be okay. 
She's the only one I need. You can't... I mean, I already don't have a dad. There was a lot of hysteria between us just a few weeks ago. But when we saw the therapist, I started out by saying, I will never be hysterical again. It doesn't serve me. It doesn't do serve anyone. I realized this hysteria isn't even mine. It's something I picked up from the women in my family. I saw them be hysterical and I imitated it. And they got it from their mother. And who knows where it came from before that. I actually said all of that verbatim out loud to my therapist and my mom. And therapy with her, oh, God, I talk about it in my Patreon, but, oh, so good. If I mean, if it's something, I never in a million years would have thought my mom would do that with me. I never even thought to ask for it. And she gave it to me. She's giving it to me. We're doing this. So she drove me to the airport a couple weeks ago for my big Salt Lake to L.A. trip. And I brought up how hurt I was that she had said in therapy, the entire family thinks I'm a narcissist. She became defensive and emotional while I was trying to figure out if she knows the true definition of a narcissist. I told her, I'm just trying to talk. I won't get hysterical with you ever again. And I hope you can calm down and talk to me. I just want to express my feelings. I'm not attacking you. I just want you to understand why I'm hurt. She did calm down. And she told me, I'm very self-absorbed, and that's why they believe I'm a narcissist. And I mean, none of these people have ever been to therapy, and I'm relieved they don't actually know what a narcissist is. Um, I, I mean, I, I was like, am I a narcissist? But one of my best friends, Amanda, called and gave me a really great narcissist test to prove I'm not one. Amanda knows my family, and man, I'm so grateful. She dated my brother for a minute. Huh? Thank God, because, man, it's good to have an outside perspective. So she gave me this test. It's a technique used in job interviews on the download to weed out real narcissists. I'm actually going to talk about it on my Patreon because it's, it's phenomenal. And we should all be doing this on dates. <laughs> it's so easy and sneaky. Um, but, yeah, I was reeling. I believed I was, a, I was a horrible person for a minute. And I've believed a lot of horrible things other people have told me about myself. But I don't make a habit of that anymore. When we reached the airport, we'd both been crying. We hugged a lot. And this is something I'm noticing lately. I've rarely enjoyed affection from my mother, yet I'm a very affectionate person. Ever since she suggested therapy, I can't keep my hands off of her. We thanked each other for talking it out, and we left on a high note. We communicated in a way that is not possible for any of the other parent-child relationships in my family, and that's the biggest one of all. And then I got to Sarah's, and shit got really weird. Toddy went with me, which I wanted, but didn't want to put her through. My little dog, my, my, new, my newly rescued chihuahua. Well, it's, only, oh, it's almost been a year now, um, but she's still a mess. When my cousin refused to watch her because my cousin was still mad at me. I mean, she was, <laughs> she was just mad now. She, I'm dead to her. No reason, nothing changed. She just kept getting madder and madder, which is interesting if you think about it. Most people get... I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to tell her story. It doesn't matter. But, you know, like, the common thing is to get less mad. 
it's just, I, I am, I'm surprised by all this, but, but relieved if I'm totally honest. So when she said she went watch Toddy, I was kind of thrilled because I wanted to take her. And the trip was so good for her. There was a person there who rubbed me the wrong way because she also had a chihuahua, but she bought hers from a breeder. And if you ever listen to this Where the Magic Happens, you've probably heard me tell animal breeders to go fuck themselves multiple times. Sentiment remains the same, but I'm evolving. I want people to hear me. And putting people on the defense shuts them down to my message. So when this person told me she bought a dog, a puppy, from a breeder, I made it a teaching moment. I told her the conditions Toddy had been saved from. Chihuahuas are one of the most euthanized breeds in America, and adopting one is not at all difficult. And I snuck in my usual Handmaid's Tale comparison to animal breeders. I did my best to lead with compassion. And I felt good about it, and I still was practicing judgment when I should always be practicing non-judgment. Good luck with that human brain and ego, but always try, you know? <laughs> When Sarah announced we were partnering, I fucking knew I was going to get partnered with the dog buyer because that's how my lessons work. And when she and I picked each other's papers and I was like, fuck, my guide said, no, this is good. You want it to be a mother. And I was like, what? What to be a mother? What? So she is a mother. She's a great mother. This woman is an incredible human who is truly making the world a better place. I believe she will most likely adopt her next pet. I certainly hope so. But what she did for me that day makes me want to send her roses every Mother's Day. Except I really, really hate cut flowers. They creep me out, so maybe I'll send her a live plant. Um, We were learning the shamanic illumination process. It's a physical test to detect busted chakras with a backup test to be sure. It's amazing, and I want to do it to everyone I love. She discovered... Mine was not my heart and throat, as I always believe it is. I mean, it's funny because some people think a throat chakra means you won't speak your truth, but sometimes it can also be when you're talking too much. (laughs) So, wasn't my heart or throat. Oh, no, it'll often be two side-by-side kind of working in tandem to fuck each other up. To fuck each other up, not to, like, sex each other up. That would be great if chakras could. Anyway, um, so... She discovered it was my solar plexus, and Sarah pointed across the teepee at me and shouted, Mother wound! So I laid down on a mat, and my partner started working on me. And it got really weird fast. My greatest ability as a psychic, as a clairvoyant, is sight. Um, As a clairvoyant, I see a lot of fun stuff. There are times, oh, God! They keep, this side note, I should talk about this in secrets. Oh, God damn it. I think I know what it means. Anyway, I'll talk about this in secrets. This is a story about masturbating and seeing a a dead thing between my legs. A dead thing. A dead creature, like a human, like a skeleton, but crawling up. It was awful. Um, But, oh, but, okay, here's the thing, though. Um, Death usually means end of a cycle. It doesn't mean your fucking pussy is dead. You know what I mean? So, I mean, it could mean that. It... (laughs) It didn't for me, I hope. I know what it meant. Anyway, I'll talk about this more in secrets. <laughs> you guys, I seriously haven't slept in days. Not in days. It'll be fine. It'll be great. I have a super fun out-of-town guest coming today. So, 
I saw a train pull up in the middle of a valley with mountains all around it and thought, is my partner from Salt Lake? Really look like Salt Lake. And my guides were all, you're in Salt Lake. I had forgotten where I was. The train took us away. And all the while, she's like over me clearing my chakra while I see this journey. So the train's going, going, going. Starts to move through plaguey old London. I love London. I have a very strange connection to London. It's probably um, in this lineage that I'm going to talk about. So the train is going right through a cobblestone street with like little low buildings and they're all black. The sky is black. Everything is pretty much black and feels dead, but there are no people. And we stopped in front of a purple door. It's the only color in the entire place. I learned later when I reciprocated this this act for my partner that she is kind of made of amethyst and so are her children. Even her aura has purple in it, as does mine, indigo children. Um, Just another reason buying animals will not serve her. So I go through the door and I can feel her with me. And I'm inside this building. It's, It's the interior of the teepee I'm already in, but it's all black. This is often how parallel worlds look. And I know something big is about to be revealed. So my partner stopped working and whispered to Sarah, I've got a cord here. Cords are very common. Not a big deal. But I started to hyperventilate a little. I clear my cords daily. Why was a cord blocking my solar plexus? Um, Also, the fear I was experiencing felt felt subconscious. Like I knew something that I didn't allow myself to know. Um, So my breathing, I I started to cry. Sarah leaned in and she looked and felt it. And I heard her say, it's an angelic cord. And I'm thinking, no, 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 get away from that cord. And Sarah said to my partner, ask your guides if you should cut it. Why would you be fucking with an angelic cord? This is all very strange. Anyway, I heard my own guides from above say, yes, cut it. But from below came one no. And I started to freak out. My breaths went deeper. Um... I, I, I started to bawl. And, oh my God, it was just, I saw this pit to hell open. And growing up in, in my very active haunted house in Pennsylvania, where I experienced all my top hits of trauma, I regularly saw pits to hell open. And back then, I believed in and feared hell. There were a lot of different things in that house. And what I go over a lot in my new mediumship course is how much fear fucks us up and renders us vulnerable. It's why the wicked spirits like to scare us. There are many things that feed on us more easily when we're scared. As a child, the hell pits worked instantly on me. Sometimes in nightmares, they opened and sucked my mother or brother in and I would fight to pull them out. 
The hell pit I saw in Sarah's teepee looked exactly like those. A very deep hole with raging flames at the bottom. And then I saw her. She was covered in blood. Had major Lilith vibes. Everything in this vision was red and black. Just as it always is when I work with Lilith. And here's a trigger warning. Uh, Please hit pause if you cannot handle the rape talk that is coming. Kat recently told me I will not be able to call in my best partner until I stop leading with my survivor. My survivor is who took over at the age of five to seven when my uncle repeatedly raped me. This has always been a problem with my family because they believed me when I turned 30 and finally told them what he'd done. I mean, he beat his wife to death with his fists. When I was about 23, he tried to rape me again, and that's the last time I saw him. My family believed me, but they really couldn't care less. Recently, I recalled one of these assaults with him when he lived with his parents and had easy access to me. I truly believe my grandmother knew and also didn't care. She's dead now. She comes in a lot with big, big, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, which is great now. Um, Their apathy, the apathy of my family is what hurts me the most. For two years of this abuse, my survivor let me check out, as in blackout, and she handled it. But recently... I remembered the start of one of these times in his bedroom uh, where he would take me and lock the door while my grandmother was supposed to be watching me. And it wasn't like she was taking a nap. It wasn't like she left. She was always in the house. His bedroom wall was covered in the pelts of squirrels he had killed for fun. He tortured and killed several neighborhood cats. (sighs) My family knew he was doing this. Years later, he drowned my cat. These things upset me far more than the two years of being raped. And yet, I believe without a doubt... The monstrous cruelty he showed to me and to these defenseless creatures strengthened my bond to them and to animal advocacy. Before we return to this world reincarnated, we make soul contracts. And without knowing the details of how they'll play out, I'm pretty sure we choose what I consider spice levels. And I picked fucking ghost pepper hot as hell for mine. I'm not mad about it. And a long time ago, Sarah Goff saw my guys trying to talk me out of this soul contract. And maybe I took on so much because I knew I was getting the survivor entity and she could help me handle it. I took on so much. (sighs) My survivor might not have kept thriving had my family stopped bringing my uncle up so lovingly around me. If they hadn't hired him to build their porches, fix their chimneys, taken him to musical festivals, or had him around their children, I might have healed more quickly. Hell, if they just had the sense to not tell me, 
you know, every couple of years, I'll Google statute of limitations in Pennsylvania to see if they changed it, because I would love to put him back in prison. He called my mom on Thanksgiving and said, tell Angie to stop telling people I raped her. I think that was in 2013. <sighs> if they'd just stopped telling me, it felt like they were antagonizing me. The man was convicted of murder. He tortured countless animals and repeatedly raped a child these people claimed to love. And in 2018, they were still telling chummy, warm stories about this sociopath around the dinner table, around the dinner table I was seated at. I believe most of the women in my family are misogynists. My grandmother definitely was. She loved the boys but mistreated the girls. She should have gone to prison with her son for what she allowed him to repeatedly do to me. I would be a very different, fucked-up person today had my survivor not stepped in. Even when that pit bull attacked me and my dogs, nearly killing the smallest one, and I mean, it, it would have, I believe that dog would have killed me too. My survivor stepped up and gouged its eyes almost out of its head. I know it was her because I saw myself reaching for the eyes as I had learned in an extensive self-defense class I took in Brooklyn. But as my fingers made contact with the dog's eye sockets, I blacked out. And she took over. And when I came to, the dog was running, screaming. The dog was shrieking. No, I did not want to give up my survivor. When a stranger tried raping me one night in Brooklyn, I felt her accessible, ready to fight as I shouted him down and ran away. When a different one assaulted me on the train in Queens, I kicked him so hard in his knees and balls that he had to crawl off the fucking train. I didn't black out but I believe I was emboldened to fight, knowing if it had to go further, she could handle it for me. She was right there with me, ready to perform the unspeakable to keep me safe. But that day in the teepee, she started screaming the same hysterical things verbatim that I have heard the women in my family and my grandmother scream to their husbands and children. I was right, though. That hysteria was never mine. It was never theirs. By actively disassociating myself from it, by making a statement and standing by it, I finally cleared the path so healers could see this ancestral curse of an attachment burrowed right inside my mother wound, potentially keeping me from ever deliberately having a child. You know, I've had those miscarriages, but I mean, maybe that was her, too. Jesus. So my partner in the teepee started cutting the cord and my survivor shrieked and shrieked. And I saw her gripping this pulley, like a metal pulley, flames all around her. She was screaming, you'll kill me. You're killing me. It hurt so bad. She had been my savior. I don't know if she cared about me. I do believe she did. I feel, like she, I feel like she did in this twisted, demented way. I do believe she is one of the main reasons I've actively remained alone all these years. She kept crying and screaming as the cord was being cut. My nipples became hard and tingly 
even though we were in a, a super hot teepee. And when the cord was finally severed, she was dramatically dragged to hell, screaming. And her screams brought on the eruption of my breasts, and they spewed milk. I have never lactated in my life. I was sobbing, and milk was pumping out of me. I could feel it pulling where the sides of my arms met my body. This thing was attached to my mother's lineage, to her mother's lineage, and probably to her mother's mother's lineage. I don't know who fucked up and brought this attachment in, but the cord is cut, and the little girls in my family and their little girls will never have to deal with this attachment. We got back on the train, and all the tracks kind of scattered as though to cover our trail back. I sat up one foot still, in the other world. Shamanic journeying is no joke. Sarah told me to go stand on the grass, which I've always had to do anyway after journeying with her. One of my other greatest abilities is how easily I can astral project and journey, but coming back can be a tough transition. And honestly, this is like, people think I'm flighty. I don't live 100% in this world. (laughs) I try to. I just, I don't think I'm designed to live all myself in this world. Oh, God, it's like a Patreon episode. My poor patrons. <laughs> I'm exhausted. So I was kind of flopping around in the grass, feeling lighter, but traumatized. When I realized my breasts were totally dry, that pumping of metaphysical milk was almost like when a mother hears her baby cry and her breasts leak to feed it. We all walked around the little glen down the hill behind the teepee. I felt free. I was transformed. I kept thanking my partner. And she was so sympathetic and loving and mother-like. She was so kind. So throughout the day and night, we were peeing our brains out. All of us were purging. I'm constantly running to the bathroom. But we also kept thinking someone was missing. Like, oh, somebody's still in the bathroom. We all kept, who's in the, who are we missing? All afternoon, all night after this incident. And we realized most of us felt like it was someone who'd been sitting to my left. That night at the dinner table, I asked Sarah, what did you mean when you said it was an angelic cord? She had food in her mouth, but she couldn't wait to answer me. And she was like, I never said that. My partner shook her head no as Sarah spoke and added, she never said that. Across the table, one of the other healers said, I heard Sarah say that too. And I was really far away, so I didn't understand how I could hear her across the teepee. At breakfast the next day, sitting at the table, a few of the women agreed again, someone was missing to my left. I couldn't stop feeling like a Siamese twin had been removed. She could mimic voices. Who knows how many times she got rage out of me for lies she told in the voice of someone I loved. And I kind of think we got it wrong years ago. I think Kat and I talked about this in the last episode. When someone was attacking my, yeah, we did. When someone was attacking my ex-husband through my body after I'd fall asleep. 
it was not my very powerful Cuban friend and probably twin flame. I mean, I think I'm into that twin flame thing. Although I know that friend wanted me out of that relationship and probably intervened in some capacity. But this Lilith-like creature started punching him in the dick moments after I fell asleep. She never did that with any other partners, but this guy turned out to be a pathological liar and and an actual narcissist who eventually tried to put my head in a toilet. Her methods were beyond bad, but she was my protector. And he had cheated on his wife with me, but lied the whole time and said his wife was leaving him. Then he tried to cheat on me. Ugh, he was a terrible person. Anyway, as many of you probably know, the left hand is considered your dark magic hand. Madame Blavatsky, a very real and gifted psychic medium who fucked her legacy and credibility for the rest of us by getting showy with some cheap tricks instead of relying on her natural abilities, coined the term the left-handed path. It was translated from the term vamachara, an Indian tantric practice that encouraged breaking Hindu societal taboos by doing things like having sex during rituals, you know, sex magic, drinking alcohol, eating meat, and assembling in graveyards, and doing these things as a form of spiritual practice. Now, I don't think the left-handed path is all that bad. Like everything in this world, there's moderation, balance, and there can be purpose. I mean, sex magic, hell yes. Meat, ugh, no, obviously. But this left-leaning attachment tipped me too far at times. Kat actually told me something really interesting about meat eating. She said whenever she's working with people on, like, really dark, deep shit, they're gobbling down meat. Just something to think about. I mean, which came first, the chicken or the egg? I don't know. Don't eat either. Oh, that's so cute. Okay, so (laughs) the first time I saw Doreen and Casadega, I have to love me, you guys. Nobody else is loving me. I have to love Please let me love me. The first time I saw Doreen and Casadega, she asked if I had a twin in this world. She saw a woman with me and said something was off about her. The woman looked like me. But when the woman saw Doreen seeing her, she gave what Doreen described as a shit-eating grin. I got really mad recently during the very long email exchange about Stregzi being dissolved. Without a fight, without a talk, all my money, all my work, (laughs) who cares? Non-attachment. I got so mad, though, and I started to kind of lather myself up out of habit. And I realized, I don't care. I don't care. It's not going to change. The anger faded instantly. It was just emotion I was going through. I got up, had a song in my heart, sang it, worked, forgot about it. Forgot to even reply to this email. I guess I still have to reply to this. Um, I hope that keeps happening. The first time I ever saw Sarah, she told me moments after I returned to my body, because we, <laughs> we were journeying. It wasn't supposed to be. She was supposed to just be working on me, and, and I, came, I came back, and she was like, my goodness, you can astral project. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I know. I didn't mean to. It was just, it was so good. Um, working in person with her is so special. Um, but so after that astral production compliment, she goes, you have so much rage, but none of it is yours. She wasn't sure, but she thought it was a connection to my father. 
but I haven't cared about him since I was about eight years old. And, you know, he beat the shit out of me, and he only stopped when I started beating him back. And I think I was about 12. He was the first man to ever call me a whore. My father. I was, I think I was 10 the first time he called me a whore. I mean, <laughs> preposterous. But, uh, yeah, I've been pretty un- unattached to him for a long time. So he was physically and emotionally abusive. And he would get hysterical, but his hysteria was just, like, laughable. I used to always say he was the dumbest person I'd ever met, and my mom was the smartest. And I think that's... (laughs) I think that's still true. (laughs) I think it's... Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's true. My mom's brilliant. I love her. Um, Am I in this world? Am I recording right now? I had some coffee. I'm going to have some more. Sarah tried to make me sit in the teepee in silence while even being allowed to write in my journal for 18 hours. She kept trying to talk me into it, and I was like, mm, no, I don't think so. I, I, I don't know. Maybe later, maybe later. So I snuck off into that same glen we had walked around, and it was totally new to me at that point. My body's eyes were barely working after that journey when we first went down to the glen after, after everything. And I don't even know how I navigate sometimes. Like, there are times where after I journey, I get from, like, I'll be in a place. When Sarah used to live in L.A. and I used to get to go journey with her in person and her workshops. Later, I'd be like, how did I get home? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would barely be in my body. I shouldn't be driving. That's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Driving while astral project uh, under the influence of shamanism. Nope. Stop trying to be clever. There, it's over. It's over. Um, so... I'm down in the Glen, hiding from Sarah, and she came and found me. And she goes, your guides told me she is not going to sit in that teepee. Let's go for a bike ride. And we did, and it was so fun. And I don't know, like, I had such a special day with two people I love so much in Salt Lake. And we went to all the vegan places, and I don't even hate it. I don't even hate that partner. That time there was so hard on me. I lived there for four years. And he wouldn't—he would, like, scare friends away. He was so possessive and hateful and yet withholding. I mean, but I don't dislike Salt Lake. I dislike that memory. And I would never get trapped in that again, you know? But I honestly had the best trip there. I, it was so great. And I was like, it's so cute here. Did I love it? At some point, I must have loved it, too. So my last morning at Sarah's, I went outside with Toddy strapped to my chest. Toddy, my fellow survivor. Kept in a metal cage her whole life. Fortunately, her uh, attackers, they went to prison for animal cruelty. How magnificent is that? Oh, it's so consolidating. Oh, I love it. Toddy, love of my life, dog of my dreams. Um, I swear, she... She blasts off with me. She, she was there. Would, she curls up with me when I journey. She's a little power animal. So Sarah created a medicine wheel, and slivers of it represent a particular moon each of us is born under. Um, you know, sh- this is a, a shamanic thing. It's not astrology. I mean, it 
shamanic astrology kind of, I guess. So mine, I, I tried to find this online. It doesn't exist. It's crazy. I mean, Sarah has old ass medicine she's using. It's legit. So mine, my moon is the contemplative moon. And my animal is the serpent. And I don't know if I'm saying on my podcast or on my Patreon, can't one, one foot in this world, please be patient with me. Um, but I have had a lot of interesting snake stuff uh, recently. A lot of, and, and even Doreen, last time I saw her, she was like, oh, you've been working with the snake totem. And I'm like, I have. So that is my, my animal with the moon, with the contemplative moon. And it really feels like my, like a very potent totem for me. I'm always shedding my skin for a new one. Very mutable. I move easily between two worlds, and I'm often misunderstood. Snakes have like a dog energy. If you've never gotten to know one, man, I had such a bonding moment with a snake. I don't know where I've talked about this or if I have already, so please forgive me. But she, this little um, Sal from the Crooked Path, his little snake, she's you can go meet her. She lives in the Hakate Shrine um, upstairs, temple upstairs. Um, what is her name? Oh, she's so sweet, but I used to uh, do events and stuff there, and she would come out when she heard my voice. We loved each other, this little snake, and oh, God, I just, I can never get a snake because these cats will murder it, but, um, so anyway, snake totem. So, um, you know, the, the, the whole snake energy, it's often misunderstood because the Bible lied about a lot of things. <laughs> Shocking. And the moment I stepped into my slice of the medicine wheel at Sarah's well, with Toddy strapped to my chest, I saw someone to the right, not the left, out of the corner of my eye. They were like waving or something, and they were just behind the teepee. They were just behind the teepee, like coming, emerging. And at first I thought it was a child waving a tree branch. And then I realized, like, I didn't have my glasses on, my eyes focused. I'm nearsighted. Which honestly helps with psychic stuff. Because your your untrained peripheral, you know what, by my psychic development course, just please, fucking please, please, please. Um, you, We all have these abilities. We all have these abilities. We just learn to turn them off. Anyway. I was staring at a young buck with massive antlers. And he was wagging his head to get my attention. He was absolutely trying to get me to look at him. There's a very narrow brick ledge behind the teepee with a drop-off into a little creek, and it had all dried up. I have no idea how this massive buck had snuck along this narrow wall. I mean, it did not make sense. So we stared into each other's eyes. Toddy was very impressed. She had clearly never seen anything like this. And the buck trotted down the little narrow drop-off into the glen. Another area I didn't imagine they, he could navigate. I'm standing there, and uh, next, so Sarah had told us about Waskar. Waskar is the gatekeeper between worlds, materializing to her in this new home as this big, white, fluffy cat. But none of us saw him that weekend. And all of a sudden, the morning I'm leaving, here comes Waskar following the buck down into the glen, right behind him. No big deal, just a buck and a fluffy cat from other worlds, kicking it in nature. Sarah told me later, the buck is the guardian of her teepee. 
They even buried deer antlers underneath it. Her eyes were huge when I told her, and her jaw dropped, and she goes, you got some really good medicine this week. Then I went to L.A., and stuff started falling into place. Now it's falling apart, and I'm just going with the flow and trusting the process while working my ass off. My boobs still really hurt. Um, I might need to go write a couple quick erotica novels where I will be severely underpaid and overworked just so I can make November's rent, let alone afford another cross-country move. I am fucked financially. I mean, Stregzy was a huge lesson. I will not ignore my shaman again. Don't partner. Got it. <laughs> don't. If you if you believe in this stuff, don't fuck around. I believe I believe absolutely in this, and yet there I was partnering. The lessons, if we ignore them, become harder. Did I talk about the spirit of animals here? I've done it in my Patreon. The spirit of animals gave me the best. I saw it again. Oh, my God. The Spirit of Animals did. This is my Patreon. You'll get that in my Patreon. The Spirit of Animals did come to me again the other night and uh, looked more koala than I remembered from before. But um, Spirit of Animals is like my, okay, the way Jesus is to Christians, that's my, that's the Spirit of Animals to me. And this motherfucker is like dropping the crazy lessons on me these days. And I mean, I think that, I think animals are the reason I return to this planet so much. I really do. It's like just my jam. Jesus, I fucking love animals. So, <laughs> I might need to go straight again. I am so fucked financially. Um, after my initial and very inflammatory go fuck yourself to my family members, I pointed out to them that I've been begging them to hang out with me. I've been in my darkest place with tiny glimpses of happiness. My heart was broken in the strangest way yet, but I met this person during that new moon in Leo when the Lion's Gate portal opened. And I was seriously like, is he better than what I even dreamed my partner could be? And yeah, I think he was. Better than what I dreamed. That same weekend... A client of mine who has been working against Monsanto for a very long time emailed to tell me I had helped them take the company down for over a hundred million dollars. Now, if a genie appeared and granted me three wishes at that time, or just before this weekend, I would have gotten it all wrong. I would have aimed too low. I didn't think I could find a vegan animal rights activist but like a real one who doesn't have white boy dreadlocks um, and isn't just a talker who who is brilliant and all these other amazing things I've wanted in a partner too and is actively changing the world. I didn't think that existed. I dreamt my partner too small. And in a million years, I did not think I could help someone take down Monsanto with witchcraft and psychic sight. If anyone is calling in the dark arts, it's Monsanto. But that Lionsgate portal gave me a glimpse of how much bigger I should be dreaming. Even if I'm still suffering over whatever pushed that guy away, I don't even know. I don't even know. It just ended. But I'm not taking it personally. I do believe it's his stuff, not mine. I, I don't know. I guess maybe I don't believe. I guess I'm just accepting. I'm practicing non-attachment to stories. 
I don't need to tell myself a story. We're all going through our dark nights of the soul. But now I feel free to dream bigger about things I want. And I feel truly ready to partner without it being another weird trio where I have a hysterical attachment. My grandfather keeps coming through lately. A lot of spirit activity does, which is why I'm doing the mediumship course this month while the veil is thinnest. But also, all the people dying from COVID has us overlapped with the spirit realm in a really big way. It's been easier than ever to call them in. The tricky part is keeping tricksters and the like out, which I'll teach you in my mediumship course. Please join. I need you. So I use a pendulum board, which is kind of like a more detailed Ouija for one. It's an amazing tool, but you really got to come correct to it because it's constantly attracting fae, tricksters, and the like who will fuck your shit up. My grandfather has popped in so many times with business advice. Well, and oh, he's just, he's been, he's like my best family member who passed, uh, passed away, um, as far as guides go. Way better than racist Uncle Denny who thinks no man is good enough for me and tells me I need to jump out of airplanes and get on a motorcycle. I mean, yes, okay, fine, but like those are not my most dire needs, Uncle Denny. Back when I was selling my massive truck that I'd used to tow my 34-foot trailer, my grandfather told me to stop trying to sell the truck before December that it was futile. And apparently, the bank had lost the title. I found this out after I stopped. I, I was like, okay, well, we'll hit pause. And I thought, well, everybody who sees it's just going to waste my time. Um, but the bank had lost the title, and it took them until January to find it. So I couldn't even, I could not have even sold it. He gave me more great advice this time. Um, actually, about my, about Stregzy. <laughs> Same advice I got later from a lawyer. And then my grandfather motioned to Thursday on the board. So the board has all these different little things on it. It's a wheel. It's just amazing. Um, you want to get one made of special wood. Anyway, I'll probably talk about this in Patreon as well. Um, but he motioned to Thursday. And then he motioned to the symbol for Scorpio. And then he spelled out the word play. So my Scorpio friend Ryan is in town and wanted to go to Universal's Halloween Horror Nights. But I have been holed up in my house trying to make my course and move to L.A. work and not spending any money because I don't have any money. So I was going to bail on this, but my grandfather kept pushing. So Ryan and I went just yesterday to Universal, and it was so much fun. People were so nice to me. Like, I have to post to Instagram again. Mom, my phone's broken, so I can't. I can kind of post. It's a nightmare. Um, oh, and in more Mercury RX, um... FedEx says they tried to deliver my new iPhone today. They didn't. And I called, and they obviously went to the wrong address because it's Mercury retrograde. Why would I get my So now I probably won't get my phone until Monday. Whatever. Whatever. Go with the flow. Don't fight it. Oh, God, don't you try to fight this flow. Oof. So we were at Halloween Horror Nights, and people kept complimenting my dress. And it was like I often, because I do wear lots of cute, weird uh, things that, um, I don't think make me brave, but then my friends, uh, when people get vulnerable, some people do feel that I dress in a brave way. But um, my favorite was this medium in the UK who once told me, people think you dress up for them, you dress up for you. And the most surprising thing, I was like, people think I dress up for them? <laughs> it's just, I don't give a fuck. I, I like, I like playing dress up. I've, 
love that about this world, that I get to wear dresses. I, I'm sitting in a closet with way too many clothes trying to figure out how I'm going to get everything back to L.A. So it was, and I said to Ryan, I was like, because he couldn't believe it. And I said, I've honestly never gotten this many compliments in one day in my life, ever. And I said, I think it's because we've all been in lockdown and sad and everybody's dying and COVID. And this is like, yay, it's Halloween, we're celebrating. And the, and the, we went on a Thursday. It wasn't very busy. But, um, I mean, it was just over the top. I even got carded, legit carded. Not like he was hitting on me. He was gay. So, like, that motherfucker knows how to look at a woman. You know what I mean? I mean, not, not like he wants to fuck her. But, you know, gay men have an eye. So, best day of my life all year. Um, even though everything around me is falling apart. It was just so special. And I got into a confrontation with a man and uh, well, I was trying to buy a soft pretzel. <laughs> uh, he was, he stepped up and he started trying to take my place for me in line. And so I started trying to take it back. And he, st- and and because usually like a physical dominance will stop once they realize, oh, you're going to push back. And he didn't, He he tried to get in front of me again. And I turned to him and I said, uh, I don't even remember what I said, but I was I was just like um, very, um, you know, New Yorker, lived there for 16 years. I know how to talk. I know how to stick up for myself. My sole contract is motherfucking self-respect. No man is going to cut for me in a pretzel line. And I said, you know, something like, excuse me, are you trying to cut in front of me? I am not passive aggressive. I am aggressive aggressive. And I'm triple fire. I'm aggressive, aggressive, aggressive. Oh, shit. And and he goes, no, you cut in front of me. And I don't think his voice sounded like that, but we're going with it. And I said, um, no, sir, you're trying to cut in front of me. And he goes, I was standing here with all my kids and blah, blah. And, and I was like, if you were standing here, then I couldn't be standing here. Like, that's just how fucking physics work. And, and um, he was pushing back and I said, but... And I wasn't getting mad at all, which I'm so good at confrontation. I'm, I just don't get mad. I, I mean, it's really, really rare. Um, if I'm hangry, it's different. I just have blood, I got blood sugar issues. That's why I got to not have a lot of sugar ever because it fucks up more. Anyway, so um, I said, well, it's clearly more important to you. So by all means, t- take your place in line. And I stepped behind him and then it was like a, oh, I look weaker now because I want to be in this line for a woman. So he stepped um, back or something, or he, he came, like, really close to me, like, physically aggressive. And I said, okay, you're making me very uncomfortable. You are getting way too close to me physically, and we're in the middle of a pandemic. And then he took a big step back. And then um, I, I, I didn't need to win. I just needed it to be over. I didn't need a fucking hillbilly dancing around me. In during a pandemic or ever, honestly, um, and then um, I get out of Ryan and Ryan and Ryan. I get out of line, and Ryan is like, "Were you fighting with that man?" He goes, "Or were you just talking?" And he goes, "Cause he said I looked calm, and the man looked mad." And I was like, oh, "That's the best feedback. Like, that's the best fucking feedback." No, I was just sticking up for myself. That's all. Anyway, <laughs> so I mean, we're nights. Super fun. Can't recommend that stuff enough. Um, and my grandfather told me to go and I was just, I don't know, like I feel, I feel a little different because I did something. I left my house. I got a cute dress on. Lots of people complimented it and, um, wasn't scary, but it was still pretty good. Um, 
what was my favorite one? Oh my God, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. How are you guys, seriously though, like how are you guys still eating meat? I mean, that's a weird thing to me. That's a very strange thing. Now that we know all the things and all the videos, just something to think about. Maybe that's just something that maybe changed. I'm just saying, very nicely. Please just don't get defensive. Just maybe take that and take it wherever you need to to start thinking about how fucking disgusting it is. But the Texas Chainsaw Massacre maze, I was like, oh man. Good luck getting a turkey leg after this. Oh, by the way, those are not turkey legs. This was also... God, I'm sorry. This is very rambling. Um, I bought an Icy on the way out and um, got them to put it in my souvenir cup. So, so I got a cheap Icy on the way out, which they weren't supposed to do. It was very, everybody was so nice. And the guy told me that they were getting rid of the turkey legs. And um, he was upset about it. Oh, man, likes to eat his meat off a of animal bone get butt cancer from it and I was like interesting and um I wanted to ask him if they're emo they are usually made from emos and I think that's because the leg breaks in so many places it'll look like a turkey it's really fucking gross anyway um so pap my grandfather he also told me to mop my floors which I haven't I usually mop my floors every new moon and full moon um this will be in the course why you should do it it's a very rambling episode anyway um and and there's a very great way to set psychic protection with a floor wash and we're going to do that as well but um I've just been so sad and um the point of all this universal so I've been so sad and two of the most cheerful difference makers I know confided in me just the other day individually they don't even know each other these are people who are like changing the world and helping people and inspire seriously two of the most inspiring humans I've ever met and they are thinking super hard about killing themselves, but like with the fantasy of a bus hitting them and just taking them out where they don't have to perform the act themselves. And I told them like, yeah, me too. Me too. A lot. And you too, maybe. And a lot of that is because the veil is so thin. COVID has taken, what, 700,000 Americans out? Is that what the number is now? Um, our worlds, that spirit world and this world are so parallel right now, so merged. Um, it's just, and that world is easier to live in, or live, exist in, you know? So these feelings, don't be hard on yourself if you're feeling this way. I am too. But it is so important to play right now. To play, to indulge. To be as self-absorbed as you need to be because self-absorbed means you are doing, you're practicing self-care. And for whatever fucking reason, we're shamed for that. Even if we don't have children or, you know, a, a parent we have to take care of, it is not a bad word unless you're neglecting someone in your care. So get on meds, see a therapist, move your ass, go to Halloween Horror Nights. You do you because no one else ever will. You get to take care of you and not be shamed for it. October is my favorite month because I like mingling with the dead and they don't scare me anymore. And all of Halloween Hornets doesn't scare, like nothing scares me. I'm so rarely scared. But it's just so fun to feel this stuff and readings are always easier in October um, anyway, okay, wait, here's a pitch. So for the remainder of October, use co code SAWIN, spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N for you non-heathens, 
It'll be in the show notes. Um, for $20 off any reading with me. Um, the code is going to expire November 1st, but you can book a reading in advance with it. So, like, you can book a reading in November or December or wherever. I don't know how far ahead my calendar goes. Um, book, please, mediumship, past lives, basic check-in. Um, a lot of new clients say to me at the end of readings, I just, I just went very far away from the mic to burp. I hope you didn't hear it. <laughs> on that note, a lot of new clients tell me that they were nervous to work with me. And I know I'm, I am intense sometimes and, um, <laughs> a lot, but, um, please know when you guys book with me, I work for you. I tell you your homework. You, you go do the work for you, but I am a hollow bone during readings. I'm a magnificent self-absorbed bitch at all other moments, but when I'm on your time, it's all about you. And I promise I'm not mean or scary or going to tell you to go fuck yourself. I only ask your guides to show me what you most need to know. I work with your guides. Um, I ask them to show me what you most need to know because I'm going to tell you everything they show me. You can read my testimonials on my Instagram. And thank you to everybody who writes them. I love you guys. Thank you. If you uh, haven't written me one and you want to, I don't mind. It doesn't matter how long it's been since our reading. I, those make my day. Oh, I just love, I love all the little messages I get about things just working out. And God, just thank you because I, at least I always feel very true. And this is why I don't want to fucking write erotica again. God damn, I don't want to ghostwrite ever. Um, please become a patron and save me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm walking my spiritual path. I'm on my truest spiritual path. It is to heal and serve others. I know this. I never pimp this stuff, but I absolutely have to save my own ass right now. $3 a month on Patreon helps support my podcast like you would not believe. $13 a month gets you hours of secret content every month. All my secrets and a lot of fun shit talk. You'll even get to hear me cry rather frequently. Um, oh my God. Ugh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to do less of that. But, oh, man, the love. The love of my patrons. Ah! So my top tier is $111. And that gets you everything, including a monthly reading. And, I mean, if you're at that level, you're basically my best friend forever. Not just in sixth grade. Not just in seventh grade. So Strixie was supposed to be paying my bills by now, and it's gone forever. And I might rebuild a witchy poo brand at some point of what I wanted to do with Stregzy, but I honestly just want to write a couple bestsellers, no shit. And I think, um, I, I mean, seriously, when, when I think I'm going to start putting chapters of them on my Patreon for you guys to read. Because if I have a place, like if I have eyes on them, it just, it's also, I did start writing them so to share them with patrons and thinking about my, my patrons reading them versus... Uh, a lit agent, I just had, like, a better voice. This is very hard. This is a really good tip for writers. Um, don't go big, crazy brain with writing a book. You have to think about an audience that makes you feel safe, and that is that is my Patreon. Um, so I've been writing them for patrons to read, or for patrons to read. Anyway, um, when when I got the news that my business partner wanted to quit Strixy, um, I was shocked, and... And like really, really, oh no, for just a moment. And then immediately I thought, well, guess I got to write a couple bestsellers now. 
So how's that for self-esteem and confidence? Like, later when I thought about it, I was like, wow, what a great go-to. Well, guess I'm just going to have to produce some best-selling books. Oh, wow. I really went there. And I absolutely believe that's an option for me. And I think this is why my guides have been so anti-partnering. In the last few years since Stregzy was canceled. Um, oh, sorry, the last few weeks since years. I mean, who knows? Time isn't real. Um, but in the last couple of weeks, I've been writing three different books. And I just started one called Witch Pussy, A Pagan's Guide to Dating. And it opens with this story that my patrons have heard. They even see the fucking janky ass loser. Oh, my God. What a fuck boy. Right, patrons? What a fuck boy that guy was. I reconnected with a very hot bartender I went to high school with. And we were going to date. Oh, and he was so sweet. God, he was really attractive to us. a bummer. Um, but then he told me. But, like. And very well read. And when I met him, he was covered in dog hair. And he's like, I can't not pet dog. Or I can't not hug a dog. And I was like, "Mm mm-hmm, tell me more. Um, So um, he told a mutual friend several times, I'm going to tag that witch pussy. Seriously. Seriously. I'm going to tag that witch pussy. And our friend, oh, it was my 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 childhood sixth grade best friend's husband, who's a really good guy. He was like, hey, man, she's a good girl. She's looking for the real thing. And he was was getting very defensive. He's an ally to women, obviously. He was like, don't say that about her. And the guy kept doing it. And and man, I I mean, listen to my patron. It's a great story. Please become a patron. Um, These are the tales you're missing. Uh, it's like over four hours a month of my audio, secret audio in there. I know I do like an, a podcast episode once a month these days. So um, anyway, so also send me your witchy dating and relationship questions for Witch Pussy. Um, yeah, and and I, I told the guy to go fuck himself pretty much. I mean, you know, my go-to, but I actually said something very witty. That's my patron, but Patreon. Anyway, um, I also bought witchpussy.com. So it's a whole brand. I'm cultivating a whole brand. Um, ideally... I got another good lit agent who, you know, whatever. I mean, well, I had a lit agent. I've been very – that was a long time ago. I haven't. I need to just tap back into this side of myself. Um, and I think if I write these books, they let me partner again. I really do. I am not a solitary creature. I need my light to go mingle. I need it. Um, but my guides really want me to learn how to shine on my own, and that's okay. So, oh, that reminds me of something I started to tell you guys earlier. Um, So when shit hit the fan with my family, I wrote them and I said, I'm begging you all the time to hang out with me. Please understand. And these are all people who are partnered and have children. And I said, I don't have anyone but you. I am all alone here. I don't have a partner. I don't have a child. I don't even have a best friend. And I, I still kind of have a parent, but we're working on that. Um, we have, you know, we have a big disconnect. Um, but my family had no sympathy for me having no one. They will probably always maintain apathy towards me and that's okay. Cause here's the best thing about having no one. It's super easy to practice non-attachment. You are free. You are free. I am free to drift and wander and taste the rainbow I mean, I don't know what it, does that mean eat Skittles? No. Yes. I don't know. I I don't eat that stuff, you guys. That's, they're chemicals in coloring. Anyway, I stole a monster drink from Universal last night. I just wanted to see if I could. I was very tired and that's weird, right? I shouldn't say that on the podcast. (laughs) In LA, I hung out with three of my favorite friends. I stole keys from Home Depot recently. 
You know what? Fuck corporations. I just want I'm bored. I shoplifted like a motherfucker as a child because I was so bored here. I'm not going to become a shoplifter. Don't worry. I just wanted to see. You know what? There are no consequences if you walk out of a store with a monster drink in Universal Studios. They just tell you to go to the register and pay for it. And in Home Depot, they would do the same because I was buying like $80 worth of gardening shit. Anyway, in L.A., I hung out with three of my most favorite friends. We were forced into a slumber party situation during my last two nights there, much to my delight. And three of us got into a fight. I sat quietly processing the things someone I love very much hurt me by saying, while she and the third person kind of yelled at each other (laughs) something she said to piss off that person. But I knew while I sat there processing it, that I didn't have the full story. And this is very good. When someone says something to hurt you, someone you love, someone you're not going to give up, someone you're going to fight it out with, always start with, I don't have the full story here. Why would they say this to hurt me? They love me. What did they mean? So I expressed my anger and pain when they stopped shouting. I calmly did this. She explained herself. And I was like, huh, okay. Well, that makes it feel different. I heard her. It's hard to listen and not be defensive. And we all went around the table talking loudly over one another, arguing and still kind of fighting, but really listening, really processing. And no shit, in about 15 minutes from the beginning of this, we were all holding hands in a circle, professing undying love, and closer than we'd ever been. We listened to each other and leveled up. And that's family. I had a lot of years of exploring. I mean, it took a lot. It took a long time for me to find people like this. And I'll work my ass off to keep them. And I know they'll keep working too. And that's the only kind of attachment I'll practice. Attachment to fellow workers. I want to thank my two newest patrons, Kathia, Kathia, I don't know how to say that name, but I love it, and Jessica. Patrons, you're my favorites. Links are in the show notes. Please support this podcast. Please buy my psychic development courses. They're really good. Go read the test. There's ton testimonials for those, too. Um, <laughs> there's a... <laughs> I'm so tired. I should go back to sleep. But nope, in one hour, my friend will be here and I'm not even showered. I can see your past lives, power animals, many deceased loved ones, including pets. That shit is crazy. Please book readings. Please buy gift certificates with me for your loved ones. I got to pay rent. Oh, my God. I'm so fucked. (laughs) Only when you're, what's the phrase? Only when you lose everything are you free to do anything. It's. When anything is free, rent's not free. Anyway, the first live Zoom for the mediumship course is during the full moon this Wednesday, October 20th. Um, You don't have to have taken my first psychic development course to learn mediumship, um, but the first one is an excellent primer to blast your third eye open. I mean, honestly, you don't need it. You don't need the first one to do the second one. They they work so well together. Um, There is a special hookup, both of them. On October 30th, I'm doing a live Zoom seance with Kat from my last episode and our psychic medium friend, Holly, which is one of the features of the mediumship course. Perfect. Far away from the mic. 
You're invited to hold space, get downloads, or just watch. This course comes with it. I wrote this. I'm trying to read it. Who wrote this? This course, she's fired. (laughs) This, I'm so sorry about this episode. I'm sure there's some fucking weird shit going on in here. This course comes with at least three meditations, but possibly four. My guides keep pushing. It's kind of a, it's kind of crazy, but I I love it. Um, It's about connecting to source, but um, it's about like your own personal light. So I'm going to see if I can channel this one and get to download because it's not something I can go learn about. It's something they have to tell me. Um, I'm going to teach you how to remotely view places to make sure they're safe before a paranormal investigation or like, I don't know, if you want to go stay in the Lizzie Borden house overnight as I do. Um, what if you get an attachment? Probably would. Let's let's do a remote viewing. Oh my God, maybe that's something we do together. You know what? Maybe we do that. Seriously. Um, please remind me if I forget about this. And I, you know what? I'm definitely going to forget about this. So um, maybe remind me that we should do that together. We should pick a place and all remote view together and as practice. Um, okay. So yeah, uh, I wish I'd done this before I went to Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. Um, how to not get attachments in a place like Trans-Allegheny. Okay. Now that's going to be very hard because nobody can walk in there and not get attachments if I'm totally honest. Um, but I'm going to tell you what I have learned. So and what I knew going in and how I how to really do this and to avoid places like that. See, if I had done remote viewing, I would have been like, I can't go in that place. No, and, and nobody should go in that place. But so um, how to tell the difference between um, whether or not you're talking to a trickster or the real thing. I've had things impersonate Hakate on me. I mean, it's fucking crazy what this shit can do. Um, how to safely use tools like Ouija boards and pendulums. How to straight up communicate with your deceased loved ones. And trust me, it's often easier than talking to the living ones. Uh, Even how to send spirits into light. Well, how to help send them. It's up to them. It's like therapy. How to become a therapist to wandering spirits and encourage them to heal. That is what sending them into the light is. It takes more than one try. Uh, I mean, I'm telling you. These poor shamed spirits wandering, earthbound spirits. Anyway, you probably got an email from me about the murder victim who's been coming to me. If not, get on my email list. She finally revealed who she is, and it's fucking bonkers. I'm pretty sure this is on my Patreon, too. Um, Murder just a few blocks away. I went to school with her sister. Um, Real fucking bonkers shit, you guys. Um, We're going to talk to her on October 30th. She's been great. Um, (laughs) She's actually the most communicative. She's not a ghost. She's like... I think, I'm hoping she stays with me. Um, She's really lovely. Um, She's my only friend. (laughs) I really feel like I tell her that all the time. So um, we're maybe going to solve the mystery of her death. I would fucking love to do that. So I appreciate you and your support. I really need it right now. And if 2021 has taught me anything, it's to ask for help. And you know what? I don't regret asking my family for help, even though I'm sure it's something that I don't know. Maybe they make fun. I'm not going to invent a story about why they won't help me or why they didn't help me back then. I haven't really been asking. Anyway, remember to play and stay light. Everything is temporary. And until next time, keep living a life that's worth burning for. Bye.